Growing up, I always heard it said that it's it's not polite to talk about politics or religion in mixed company, especially with people you don't know. But today we're going to do it anyway. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I have a guest coming on the program in just a little bit, somebody you may have heard a little over a year ago on this program, and somebody that I plan on bringing back more often. I'll be telling you about him in in just a few minutes. Yes, him. (laughs) That's his preferred pronouns. Just so you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, keep up with the times, as they say. We've been following a lot of news stories this past week on Truth to Ponder, and And I'm watching a couple of stories that are developing. If you've been listening to this radio program for at least a year or longer, we were already saying a lot of things that the world is beginning to catch up on now. We've talked about the issues with COVID-19. We've talked about the ineffectiveness of the vaccines, not stopping the spread or transmission of, you know, COVID-19. It doesn't pervade, it doesn't keep you from getting it or spreading it. And there's even a bit of a myth you can tear apart now about, but the vaccine gives you milder symptoms. That's not even true also. There's enough body of evidence out there that just tells you what's really happening is this virus, like any other virus, all the medical school textbook for decades, indicated certain viruses like this they well they change over time they become more infectious but they become less in symptoms and far less deadly far less everything in the process and so over the past year and a half we have watched this new variant called omicron take over it's probably lab created as well that's the indication so far but But this particular virus, it has milder symptoms. So the vaccination really has nothing to do with it. Many people are beginning to, to, shall we say, backtrack on the COVID-19 narrative that we were told we had to believe. I think of how many episodes of Truth to Ponder were deleted by YouTube and others because what they branded as misinformation is now accurate information today. So I want to just share a couple of news stories and things that I've observed and things we've talked about on this program months ago. Number one, the narrative is beginning to collapse. I mean, they know it. Those that have been pushing for vaccines, vaccine mandates, masking in schools, all of this, all of it's beginning to collapse which is good, but there's going to be a bad side to it, and I'll explain in a moment. If, if you go back in time, there was a, a doctor that was constantly on, on CNN, and she is uh, her name is Dr. Lean, Dr. Wen Lean, and she admits the so-called science she demanded the public comply with has impaired her young son. Now, months ago... She was the former commissioner of the Baltimore City Health Department and former head of Planned Parenthood. (laughs) That ought to tell you all you need to know. She urged the Biden administration 
to further restrict the activities of the unvaccinated, the unclean. You know, we told you on this program they were going to try to get her to the point that you had to be just like a leper screaming unvaccinated anytime you you went anywhere. And she was on CNN constantly just demanding that Biden go further to restrict the activities of the unvaccinated because they're the ones who are spreading COVID and this winter of death and prolonging the pandemic. That's what she said back in December. And we told you back in December, these vaccines do not stop you from getting or spreading COVID-19, period. And that's quickly becoming the truth. And now she's she's discovered something. Remember, she was saying we can't trust the unvaccinated because they're just evil people who refuse to, to be compliant and get the jab. And, and this is what she said This is what she said last year. That when vaccinated and unvaccinated people are mixing, unless there is proof of vaccination, everybody should still be wearing masks. And so I actually support what the CDC is now doing, which is going back to this indoor mask requirement, because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated, that they have been walking around without masks. And in fact, that's what led to the surge that we're seeing. And remember, she wasn't alone last year in making all these demands that the world get vaccinated, that everybody be vaccinated. She was demanding, she was demanding that the unvaccinated be banished from society, that they be locked in their homes, not allowed to work or go to the store, do anything, because the unvaccinated are driving the pandemic. And we knew over a year ago that was not true. We knew it a year and a half ago it was untrue. When President Biden stood on the television and said, get the vaccine, you won't get COVID, and then you can take off your mask. There was not one stitch of evidence to prove that was true. But the mainstream media and the big pharmaceutical corporations demanded you believe the lie. Think of the billions of dollars that Pfizer and Moderna and others have made on this pandemic. And they don't want to get rid of that cash cow. They're trying to hold on for dear life. But the narrative is unraveling. Now, when she exploited everybody's fears, and this was a bio-war, and now her tune is totally changed. She had a, an op-ed this past week in the Washington Compost or Washington Post. And she confesses the science she and Big Brother demanded we trust in is actually harmful and it actually damaged her son's cognitive development. Of course, living in a leftist household could probably do that as well. And she writes, I'm a doctor. Here's why my kids won't be wearing a mask this year. That's the title of her editorial that was published. And she states now that masking has harmed our son's language development And limiting both kids' extracurricular activity and social interactions will negatively affect their childhood. Duh, we said it last year. Remember, kids were never at risk with COVID. And it'll hinder my and my husband's ability to work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Having them online and having to stay home, you're, you're catching on to what we knew a long time ago. So it's becoming very obvious very obvious that the COVID narrative is collapsing, that the vaccine saves lives is a lie, 
The vaccines do not stop the spread of COVID-19. They don't stop you from getting COVID-19. We were told it's super rare that a vaccinated person would ever get COVID-19. Yet the president, his wife, and Tony Fauci all had COVID. Go figure. And had a relapse using Paxlovid. Go figure. There is no doubt this pandemic was used politically to, I firmly believe, change the outcome of, a, of an election. There's no doubt in my mind. And now we, we see this article from this doctor that was telling everybody you have to be vaccinated or you have to be banished from society. You can't go to restaurants. You can't go to the store. You can't be in transportation. Not even a mask will save you. You must stay home. And she believed that everybody should continue to wear a mask, including little children. But now she has a uh, Lena Wen, MD, now has this, once again, the great speaker about everybody must be vaxxed and masked. She has a, an op-ed piece in the Washington Compost that says, masking has harmed my son's language development and limiting my, all kids' extracurricular activities and social interactions are negatively affecting their childhood. And so my child will no longer wear a mask. Funny, I think she knew the facts a year ago. Or she was delusional not to want to see them. You could see them if you wanted to. If you want to believe a lie, you're welcome to believe it. And now this expert that said so animately, animately, that a mask and the vaccine will save lives is now completely walked away. You know, mask wearing caused a 364% increase in patient referrals of babies and toddlers. How about that? For speech therapy issues. You have a lot of kids that have speech issues because they were forced to wear a worthless and useless face diaper. And here's the worst part from these charlatans that push the COVID narrative. And the other night we're watching a, a television and it was Tucker Carlson. His opening monologue was all about how the Democrats will blame Trump for all the problems caused by the vaccines and COVID. In other words, after Biden demanding that all companies with 100 or more people, everybody must get vaccinated, that's the law. Pilots getting vaccinated, people getting vaccinated. We now have a new cause of death that is becoming alarming called cause unknown. Well, I think it is known. They're going to blame Trump for every vaccine injury and every vaccine death because they can't hide it much longer. And evil orange man is going to be the one that's going to be blamed for forcing the FDA to approve this stuff. When the truth is, well, Trump knew nothing about these vaccines. These vaccines were developed at NIH with Dr. Fauci and Moderna. And Trump had zero influence on any decisions involving the design or makeup of these vaccines. Remember, Anthony the liar, soon to be retired, hopefully in prison, Fauci, claimed, claimed that these vaccines would never be ready by the end of the year. But then again, by the first of that next year, he's all over them saying you must be vaxxed. 
fraudulent approvals done by the FDA, they'll try to blame Trump. Once again, the narrative is is shifting. They can't hide the truth any longer. We'll be told to forget that it was Democrats that demanded that everybody be vaxxed. What a sick world in which we live. My guest today on the program is Frank Silvato. And he's a prolific writer. There's a lot I've read about him. We've had him on the program before. It's been a while. But Frank is, he's been on the Fox News channel. He's been writing for a number of years. He's, he has a podcast called Underground USA on iHeart, uh, Pandora, Spotify, just like this program. He appears two times a week on another radio program. A friend of mine that I helped get started on radio gave him an opportunity at a radio station in Florida. And so I'm glad that, you know, he's out there. And I'm going to try to get him on the program more often. He has a lot to say. His name is Frank Silvato. And he wrote a piece the other day that really caught my attention about Liz Cheney and the rhino class of Republicans. And I think that these phony conservatives need to be, shall we say, exposed. And now you have people like Liz Cheney believing that they can run for president. Liz decided to be the ultimate rhino. She's on that January 6th fraudulent committee for insurrection. And she believed that she hooked her wagon to the, to the insurrection bandwagon, that she'd somehow become a household word and America would love her and they would think that she's going to be someone that can save this country. So, Frank, as I welcome you to the program today, what kind of odds would you give Liz Cheney in running for president? Oh, I, I think they, they're non-existent. I, I think Liz Cheney's expectations for where her political career are going are, are they're pie in the sky. She's completely alienated a gigantic chunk of the Republican base. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh and we're learning a lot more, I think. Let's all go back in time to 2001 and, and even the year 2000 during the presidential race and when all of a sudden it's announced that uh, Dick Cheney is going to be the, the vice president, which uh, kind of surprised people considering Dick Cheney's issues with his heart. And here he is still with mm-hmm. us all these years later. But, um, you know, Dick Cheney, I think, was really the guy that ran the White House during those years. Well, he certainly he certainly led the uh, uh, led the corridor that was handling the war on terror for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when you look at his background, he was he was pretty much grown for that moment in time, uh, to, to his degree of ruthlessness. Yeah. Uh, to that extent, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You, we saw that after Liz Cheney made her decision that she was going to take this avenue. There was no deviating her from her self-destruction on this. One of the things that surprised me, and and correct me where I'm wrong, Liz Cheney seems to have managed to make a lot of money during the time she's been in Congress. (laughs) How can that be? I thought she was a servant of the people. Very, very few people who find themselves elected to federal office, whether it's in the House or the Senate, end up leaving in the same economic condition 
in which they arrived. I mean, we look at Joe Biden, for example. Here's a guy that never really had a job except for about a year and a half or maybe two. And one time in an interview he did a number of years ago when he was talking to some government group, he said, yeah, I worked for two years in the enemy camp. That's how he thinks about (laughs) non-government people. That was his exact words. Yeah, I worked for two years in the enemy camp. Well, that 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 explains a lot of the reason, a lot of the reason for a lot of his decisions. It does. When, and, when you look at the at the globalist type of of embrace that he has always lived in, whether it's uh, dealings in Ukraine or dealings with China or mm-hmm. his admiration for the World Economic Forum. That's right. Um, you know, this is this is where he he is. The people, just like progressives all the way back at the beginning of, of the century, well, the, the progressives have a disdain for the average man. They do. And and look at how much money Joe Biden made on a senator's salary. It's just amazing how well he just was able to save money and buy all those houses. Hey, 10% for the big guy. That's right. And, and they're worrying about uh, documents from President Trump, uh, which he had every right, if you really look at it under the law to take because he was the one that could classify him and unclassify him. I mean, since since the days of, you know, George W. Bush, that was the prerogative of the president leaving what to say about those documents. The red flag in, in the entire Mar-a-Lago thing is you had FBI agents on the ground in June inside that room with those documents. Mm-hmm. They had access to those documents. They were reading those documents. If there was anything in there that would have been so highly classified mm-hmm. that they that it needed to remain classified for national security, they would have called in people right then and there, not waited two months to, to perform a raid when it was politically expeditious to do well the timing the timing is is suspect to me you know you you got in my opinion the democrats are doing everything they can twofold number one they need to eliminate trump from even running in 2020 uh 2024 and also the optics this this is great to to dispirit the republican party and and to have this raid at this time with this guy at the same time, while somehow magically gas prices are just coming down a little bit, and and let's get ready, we're going to help you on some of that student debt, and here, so for ten grand, we're going to buy your vote. What other optics are they playing to try to dispirit the Republicans in this uh, fall campaign? Well, you've got the you've got their sycophant media that is that is just jamming this. It's going to be a red wave mm-hmm. down our throats so that they can suppress voter turnout on the right when the when the right has a has a intrinsic disease within them if they think they're going to win by a large margin they tend to not show up at the polls mm-hmm. People on the left always show up at the polls, regardless of whether they think there's a landslide coming or not. Hey, they may come there two or three times if they can. Yeah, especially in places like Chicago and New York. Hey, look, you know, you know, granddaddy who's been dead for 10 years will come out to vote for this one. I mean, that's how it is in Chicago. There are some Chicagoans who have voted for over 200 years. Yeah. Um, But you've got a you've got a complicit mainstream media who's trying to push this. There's going to be such a red wave. It's just going to be a slaughter. We saw what happened in Florida turnout. Mm hmm. 
in the in the primaries that just happened on Tuesday, right, where we were expecting gigantic amounts of voter turnout on the right because of the disdain that that uh, constitution loving people have for what's going on, the progressive movement trying to encroach. Mm -hmm. And we had in a lot of hardcore red areas, very little, you know, the voter turnout wasn't all that it was average. We can't have that. So that's something, you know, you said, what are they going to be rolling out for for the midterm November and then 2024? They're going to keep thumping on this red wave to try Mm -hmm. and get people to be complacent on the right. We can't afford that. And then again, then you get people like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, he's already thrown in the towel. I I have such a high level of dislike for Mitch McConnell. I mm-hmm. don't know where to begin. Same uh, here. There's no there is no reason why the sea change that we should see in the House couldn't be replicated in the Senate. But but he's using his Senate PAC fund to force people on his side of the aisle to the knee. And, and I, and I find it. I find that despicable. He's a power junkie. I mean, he, I, look, I think my opinion is I think that McConnell likes being the minority leader, less responsibility, less you know, aggravation, less trouble to deal with. I mean, if things go wrong, blame the other guy. You can just, it's real easy when you're the minority leader. Let's add that mix that he makes a lot of money off the status quo remaining the same. Absolutely. When your wife is Elaine Chow. Mm-hmm. And the Chow family is the number one shipping magnet family in communist China. Mm-hmm. You begin to understand why we'll talk powerful against China. We'll take a stand about we can't allow them to do this and we've got to change that. But nothing ever changes. The only thing he ever seems to find time to do is to talk on C-SPAN in an empty chamber making empty promises nobody nobody can can confront him or debate him on his points if he's talking at 2 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. or when no one else is there they're all out to lunch and then he makes his little speech and then and then it's pushed out the same and and, and i i know this is a horrible thing to say because it's 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 focusing on someone's physical malady Mm -hmm. but when you have a debating floor like the u.s senate the greatest mm-hmm. debating floor since the Senate in Rome. You sh- and you are a party leader. Mm-hmm. You should be a a linguistical genius. Absolutely, you should be able to clearly communicate your thoughts and articulate. And yes, this guy has no business being the minority leader or the majority leader. Might be a good whip. But he's, he shouldn't be the face of the Republican Party in the Senate. You know, I go back to 2016, the election, then, of course, in January of 2017, when we, when conservatives theoretically, and I say that carefully, theoretically, had the House, the Senate, and the presidency, what did we do with that great opportunity? Nothing. We, nothing. Who was in charge of the House at that time? Yeah, you know, nothing. Paul we're, Ryan. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking about people who who found it more uh, more important to to shore up the cement foundation around what is, rather than institute reforms that are sorely needed. 
this this all comes back to whether you get into the club or not. Mm-hmm. Think about you the know, lot. You, look, look at some of the people in the Senate and the House back. You know, all those years from starting in 2010 when you had the Tea Party movement. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. You watch. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. And then we lost the House and the Senate, and we never really gained it back. And we knew that when we did get it back, it would be vetoed. So they, you know, every so many months, they would pass legislation to repeal Obamacare, and it would get through the House and the Senate, and it would be vetoed. And it, you know, that's they made it's because they weren't serious about repealing Obamacare. They did, and then when we finally had the chance, what happened? It went down in the Senate. You know, it's a we're they're not they're not predisposed to making the radical reformative change that needs to happen at the federal level. They like the game. The 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 money brokers uh, from K Street and from the special interest groups across the country and around mm-hmm. the world, quite honestly, mm-hmm. they keep filling the pockets of these people. So they will come out in front of the cameras. And they will tell you how change is needed, and I'm putting forth this bill. And then they make sure that there are amendments on that bill that will make that bill die on the floor or die in committee. They, they sound good, but they never want the status quo to change. That's why expecting reform as a top-down type of initiative mm-hmm. is, is a fool's thought. It has to come from it has to be a bottom up type of thing. And I have been talking a lot lately about nullification. The state legislatures and the state governors, there's already precedent for it. California and Illinois and New York have already set this precedent for nullification and saying we're sanctuary states for immigration. Well, if federal law can be nullified for that, then we can say unfunded government mandates and overreach by the federal government into states that that transgress the Tenth Amendment, they should be nullified, too, because the Constitution mandates it. And most people don't understand. When you look at today's, real quick, before I forget, when you look at today's Republican Party, the so-called conservative party, and you look at the election upcoming in November, what is your gut reaction telling you? That it's going to be closer than it needs to be. That, that it's going to be closer than it needs to be. We should be just steamrolling Washington, D.C. in November and then in November 2024. Granted, we've got, you know, there's a, a lot of money and the mainstream media in opposition but the people are so upset with what has been going on that shouldn't really enter into it the right is so incredibly poor in articulating what people any kind of a platform people can get behind that's that's the achilles heel mm-hmm. so our that this elections are they're going to be closer than they should be the, this, the giant, we're going to take it by 20 seats, by 50 seats. That's all pipe dream stuff as far as we're going to take the majority in the House. Mm-hmm. The Senate is a coin flip in the air because of Mitch McConnell. Absolutely. You know, but it, it doesn't need to be close if the if our if if the right side of the aisle, if people who are constitution loving and people who identify as cons, as conservative and I'm not using the identify in the in the mm-hmm. woke thing. I'm just using the word literally. Looking at a state like Pennsylvania, uh, where you've got the 
right now, technically, I think some of the pundits are saying that what Fetterman has got a uh, may probably win this thing. Maybe he won't. I mean, who knows? That's the media talking. But a state like outside of outside of you know Philadelphia, outside of a few areas in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is not that woke of a state in the middle of the state. It it just isn't. And are the voters just being suppressed where they just don't go out and just give up and let, you know, the the Democrats run that state because of Philadelphia? Well, look what look what happened during the 2020 election. You had the legislature in Pennsylvania saying, whoa, you can't do this. The Constitution says that that the legislatures in the states make the electoral law, yet the executive branch in in Pennsylvania said, you know what? But this is an emergency. Therefore, we're going to do it this way. It was unconstitutional all the way around. Mm -hmm. The legislature in Pennsylvania said, no, no, no. Texas tried to help Pennsylvania by bringing suit in front of the Supreme Court saying they write this is letter of the law, the letter of the Constitution. It's Mm -hmm. blatant as day right here. They can't do this. And it's disenfranchising, disenfranchising our votes. Supreme Court failed there. So the people of Pennsylvania, the the true people who represent the people of Pennsylvania in the legislature, they stood up and said, no, it was the controlling elite in the executive branch that gets elected because of their catering to the urban demographic Mm -hmm. that hijacked the process unconstitutionally. You know, you can argue all day long about the 2020 election. It's in the books. So it's got to be a theoretical argument. But there were things that were dramatically wrong there when it came to how several states usurped the Constitution to gerrymander election law under the guise of it being emergency because of COVID. That's right. And you saw that in states like Wisconsin and Michigan, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, Georgia to a degree as well. You know, the, Atla- the Atlanta yeah. metro area is about as cobalt blue as it gets. I mean, it's just what's happened in a big city it just goes in those directions unfortunately you know i I can remember well 20 years ago over 20 years ago now the 2000 election when when florida was highly embarrassed because of the way they conducted the election Mm -hmm. notice how you don't seem to have the issues there like we did 20 some odd years ago well, and, that's because we had we had people that came in that said we're never going to be embarrassed like that again. Mm-hmm. They reformed the system and they reformed it well. As a matter of fact, Florida is one of the states in in the union mm-hmm. that has almost a flawless election process. And other states so, like Georgia need look. What really angered me about Georgia, I mean, I have some deep ties to that state and have since the early 1970s. My late wife was from Georgia. I lived in Georgia, worked in Atlanta, worked in the mountains. I was all over. And and to see what has happened to that state, it, it just it just angers me. And then to see the kind of rhinos that they end up putting into office in that state, you know, you get people like Rassensberger, he's the Secretary of State. That clown is using his personal Gmail account to talk to Dominion Voting. I mean, you know, the, that's not even legal, but nothing gets done. It's not going to happen. You got people like Kemp, who has got a lot of interest in getting more business from China. 
So you, you know where he stands. So I feel sorry for the state that the what I call the Republicans from Roswell, which are the wealthy, along with the Democrats in Atlanta, they, they play this game to be Democrat in the city of Atlanta and Rhino in the rest of the state. And everybody in the rural areas just has to go along for the ride. And and this is I touch on this in in the latest piece I have about progressivism. Um, the progressives, the the most aggressive progressives, are of the elitist class, the upper upper middle class uh, demographic, the same demographic that pushed prohibition onto the country because they said we know what's best for you you're too stupid to understand what's good for you they prey on the urban demographic to bolster their numbers so what you just said about you've got the elite gop over here in, a, in an upper middle mm-hmm. class upper class neighborhood and then you've got the urban issue of of atlanta exactly they meld together. That's why the choice between Republican and Democrat is kind of a false flag choice. It's got to be, do you want to continue down the road to the progressive end game, which is ceding sovereignty to the World Economic Forum? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to take up the mantle of individualism again and say, we've got to get back to the Bill of Rights? How do you if, if there's a Republican who is wishy washy on that, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't have our support. We have to find someone who believes that the rules of the game are the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we have to replace them with people like that. How do we find out? Status quo can't stand. Yeah, I know. I mean, and and right now we learned uh, back in, you know, 2016 when when we finally we had the house and the senate for a couple of years and then we had the presidency and within two years it's back the gavel's back in the hands of nancy pelosi Mm -hmm. and nothing gets done it makes you're right it it keeps the status quo the status quo yeah nothing you can't change anything that must change and then like i said earlier that change is never going to come from a top-down solution because those with power never seed it there, there isn't any, you know, very seldom do you have someone get elected who says, you know what, I made a pledge to term limit myself and I'm going to do it. They don't it's do it. rare very. because there's too much power and power is addictive. So expecting the federally elected class to come up with, OK, we're going to pass term limits or OK, we're going to balance the budget. OK, we're not going to do deficit spending. That's you're smoking something that's legal in Colorado. It's got to be a bottom-up solution that forces the federal government to its knees where it belongs because that's the way the framers set everything up. The federal government was not supposed to have the heaviest footprint in our life where government's no, they concerned. were supposed to be small. Yes. So uh, I, I, nullification is something that I they talk about all the time. The other thing that is serious to consider, and I support it, is a convention of states. I do, too. You know, that's the only way we're going to get term limits. We we need to also repeal the 16th and 17th Amendment and put the Senate back in the hands of the state legislatures where it started. 
Absolutely. And that's that's something that I write about in the current piece as well. The the biggest coup the progressives ever pulled off, and it was very early in their in their nascent stage coming out of Woodrow Wilson's administration, mm-hmm. was the passage of the 17th. The worst Amendment. administration this country ever had that caused the most serious damage we're still paying for today. People need to understand this is this is something that is just it's the truth and the media likes to roll its eyes at it, but it's something we need to understand. And if people don't believe what I'm about to say, they need, need to do some some historical reading from first source stuff. We've had fascist regi- regimes in the United States before. Wilson brought it here. Absolutely. Roosevelt, Roosevelt was a fascist regime. Mussolini even wrote letters to Roosevelt congratulating him on his unique kind of fascism. And Roosevelt responded by calling him an amicable chap before World War II. So we've had fascist governments in the United States before, and they've done nothing but wreak havoc on freedom. And, you know, when you think about it, had we not gotten involved in World War I under guess who? (laughs) I mean, Woodrow Wilson, Yeah, there would never have been a World War II. We yeah. caused it by, you know, having this, quote, victory in destroying Germany and destroying the economics to create the the kind of thing that could rise, you know, up out of the ashes to come back to haunt us. Oh, like like Afghanistan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Seems that Seems that because we don't teach contemporary American history in schools that we doom ourselves to repeat the mistakes of the past. Our schools, and this is even going back to when I was in junior high school and high school, U.S. history classes, because of the length of the school year, necessarily ended right about approaching the industrial age. It was reconstruction, and then it was June and schools out again. Pretty much. I remember it. You're, you're correct. And we never, look, I never really understood, and I don't think I ever knew in high school, I knew several years later, about the change of no longer having the, the Senate of the United States. This was the firewall. To protect mm-hmm. the states, the you know this this body of these you know two senators per state was a firewall to make sure the federal government couldn't get huge and overblown and monstrous in size. And once you made it a vote of the people, then you can buy the people a lot easier than you can buy the state governments. If you if you if someone said you can do two things right now to try to jerk the country back onto the right track towards being within the boundaries of the Constitution. The very first one would be the repeal of the 17th Amendment. But the second one would be that the Supreme Court revisits the three decisions that allowed the Commerce Clause to allow the federal government to touch every aspect of our lives. And then get rid of the 16th Amendment. They can't take the money out of your income. Yeah. It's that uh, we shouldn't do it. Our, our tax system is so incredibly uh, vulnerable to corruption because of how legislatures can carve things out. We just saw that with the with the laughable, laughably titled Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing toward helping inflation at all. No, it was a half. It was a half a trillion dollar gift in climate because he had to be able to give it, give give that to his radically left base. Otherwise, it would have been a total slaughter in November. 
So just like Obamacare, they took this thing that they couldn't pass through Congress legitimately and tucked it into something else with a mm-hmm. cool title and said, we're, we're reducing, we're reducing the inflation, but did nothing of the kind. Okay. You know, I got a question for you. And we know a bunch of other states will probably follow suit. About 11 of them, they think. California this this week has announced this past week that by 2035, we're getting rid of all fossil fuel vehicles, electric only, in, you know, basically 12 years. And it sounds great for, you know, I mean, I guess it sounds great to them and the greenies and those that believe, you know, in worshiping Mother Earth and and that actually believe in this climate fraud. And and so how is that going? How is that going to pan out? It's not. And, and they'll end up pushing, pushing it back and pushing it down the road and they'll fail to meet deadlines, just like the bullet train that's supposed to go from L.A. to San Francisco. That's that's become a cash cow for the for the politically connected. Mm-hmm. If if everybody in California just suddenly today switched to electric vehicles and plugged in, they would crash the grid and it would be it would be destroyed. It would be like an EMP hit the entire state of California. It would take days to get the power back up, and don't you dare plug a car in. I mean, th- this is the problem. There, there, there is no way in 12 years you're going to build that kind of massive infrastructure. No. How many years does it take to get one nuclear power plant online? About 20. So you can't they, even build a power plant. They've had rolling blackouts for as long as I can remember because they don't have enough juice for the grid to actually sustain the load that it's pulling today without electric cars. So when you add this into it, and I don't care if you've got solar on on every head of cattle that's out there in Mm -hmm. the fields, you're not going to be able to cover that. I am not against renewable and sustainable energy. Either am I. But but I am convinced and all, all of the evidence points to the fact that it's not ready yet the technology isn't ready for this massive use yet absolutely you know there was a, a car not too long ago and i want to i think want to say go back to like maybe 2008 i uh, can't remember who was putting it out but it was a hybrid of electric and gas mm-hmm. and it was getting great mileage and you could charge it if you wanted to if you didn't want to it was it was a this perfect symbiotic type of thing that got you 600 600 miles to a tank Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it just went away because all electric cards had to be that had to be all electric now we we can have a a symbiotic relationship with fossil fuels and and new sustainable energy schemes where they complement each other to not only reduce what the left is concerned about but maintain the financial efficiency that the right is you know i'm going to give you i'm going to give you some so that numbers. we could all have everything together i'm going to give you some real quick numbers here the atmosphere of this world and this planet 78 percent is nitrogen in our atmosphere 21 percent is oxygen that remaining one percent is where you find all your co2 and everything else and and you have everybody worrying about what's in that one percent and truthfully, at one time, the Earth had a much higher level of CO2. It, it had to for all the sustaining of the vegetation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the, 
Everybody thinks that we're going to choke from CO2. It is still way under 1% of the atmosphere. And they well, want to reduce nitrogen, which naturally is 78%. That'll kill add, our plant life. Add to that that we need CO2 for, for vegetation. We need it. Plants need it. Plants and nitrogen, the two, yeah. they, the two nutrients yeah. they need, the World Economic Forum is demanding we reduce. Look and what happened in, in, with, in, with the Dutch farmers. I mean, they want to reduce nitrogen fertilizer yeah. like it's a bad and, thing. And the reason behind that is something that they lay out plain and simple in the Great Reset, but no one gets because they're not reading about it. Mm-hmm. The Great Reset says, you know what? Population control isn't so bad. Make them hungry. Make them Make die. Them hungry. You you listen to some speeches that Bill Gates has given, that George Soros has given, and absolutely listen to the speeches and, and the and read the readings of Klaus Schwab. They're population control people going back to what eugenics from the beginning of the progressive movement at Woodrow Wilson's feet. They're they're just as bloodthirsty about population control as Margaret Sanger was. Absolutely. So that's what they're moving forward on this. All the stuff about we have to have, uh, you shouldn't eat meat. Mm-hmm. Climate must be must be dealt with, and that means we have to reduce greenhouse gases. Well, you know, most of the heat from greenhouse gases comes from water evaporation. The planet's 75% water. I don't think you're going to affect that very much. And even then, that helps us. You think about more farmable land. When it when it comes to just one degree that rises and we're cyclical, anybody who doesn't understand that we're climate, our climate is cyclical. Go back to the back 1930s. A, Look at the yeah. 1930s. Compare it's we're looking like the 1930s again. Yeah. And we've had we look, we've had many ice ages, long ice ages. And truthfully, the world was warmer before the big ice age, much warmer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, we're supposed to believe somehow that the temperature in, you know, 19 uh, 51 is the perfect temperature we need to be at for the rest of eternity. And it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it doesn't. And remember, you know, back in the 70s, I remember when the ecology movement was was launched mm-hmm. and it was about, well, we, we need to reduce pollution. I'm, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our grade school classes went out and, and and fished garbage out of the local creeks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we felt good about it. And it it. It helped us say, "Hey, man, don't litter. It's it's rude. You, you you could find some place to actually put your garbage." But that evolved into there's going to be an ice age. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Before we get to our break, coming up, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share with my audience the podcast and the material you produce. You can find our writings. I, I started out as a writer, but I'm now into podcasting because you need to touch people on a bunch of different uh, communication lines if you want them to hear you today. Uh, you can find everything over at undergroundusa.com. Frank, I want to thank you for being on the program today. And we will definitely have you back on very soon. And if you enjoyed what Frank had to say, let me know. Let me know what you think about this program. Maybe some of the things we could do better, some of the things we can share with you to help you. We try to look at this world from a truth point of view and also from a distinctly Christian worldview. And we're willing to bring people on that will be honest with you. 
We may not always agree on everything, but I want you to hear from people. I want you to be able to think and discern for yourself. This entire COVID pandemic, we've learned a lot. There are those that are still diehard believers. I see them in the grocery store. Young couples still wearing a face mask and their little child wearing one. And they, they're still afraid. They have no hope. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about hope and the other dangers that we face. This summer has been a difficult time for Truth to Ponder. We want to stay on shortwave radio. And we can only do it because we pay for the airtime. If you can help us out, would you please consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Truth to Ponder. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That is 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. The city is Crestview. Crestview, Florida. 32536. That's Crestview, Florida. 32536. We will probably within a couple of weeks, two or three weeks from now, be changing that address now that we are getting settled and we have family and other ways to get our mail to us. Uh, We've been using this service for the past year because of all the travel we were going to do. It would just be a lot easier this way. But I want to thank all of you that support this program. I, I pray that you share the contents of this program with your friends. Uh, let people know how to listen to it. Like I say, we're, we're still out there as a podcast. And a lot of people are listening each and every day. We're on the air five days a week and also the weekend edition. And the weekend edition, I know, is only heard on a few places. And I want to mention something to those that listen overseas. I hope you're learning the truth about what's really going on in the United States. Most of the news you get from the BBC and other locations is fake news. Just know that. And we're going to take a break. And when we get back, maybe we can find some hope in this very delusional world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. First gear, second gear, and beyond. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Well, the principle of first gear and second gear and onward. Your car works by it. Most moving machines work by it. Science works by it. But most believers don't realize it has a spiritual application that can change your life. First gear is this. When you have to move uh, at the beginning of getting your star, your, your, your car going and rolling, it goes with small steps. And you got to put all the energy. It's got to have a lot of energy in just a few steps. After it gets rolling, you don't need as much energy. So it goes to second gear. As that starts rolling faster, you don't need as much energy. So it goes into third gear. But it all starts with first gear where you need the most energy into the smallest amount, the first step. The first step needs the most energy. So you and God, you know, you want change? Well, 
The first step is crucial. Get into the first step. Put your energy and focus on making a change. Just this one little, it might be a baby step, but put your energy, put your heart into it. All your heart. You want a breakthrough? You want change? Go in a new direction? Put it into first gear. Put your energy, focus, your prayers onto that one small step of newness. All your faith, believe you can do it in God. Be led by the Spirit to walk in the newness of life, the new step. Take that first step. Put it into first gear. Whatever you need to do, whatever's hard for you, just focus on that one little step of love, of repentance, of forgiveness, of victory, of of uh, 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 the beginning of a super life in God. Put it into the first gear and pretty soon you'll be cruising. Want more? Ask for the paroxysm. Also the first step. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God? Well, you can for free. Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins for Victoria's walk with God and updates on Israel prophecy, a free gift subscription and the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your gifts. You'll be blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. Now you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little. Through Shoei Radio from the Arctic Circle to Jerusalem. It's amazing. Uh, it's like sending a billion tracks. It's the farthest way you can ever spread the gospel. Make your life count greatly. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or you can write me direct. It's right to the nice Jewish boy. Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's Box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, take that step, my friend. Shalom and peace be to you, my friend. Messiah, Yeshua Tenu, our salvation. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to part two of the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We live in a very unusual and very dangerous time. A time like I've never seen before in my lifetime. Evil and sin are all around us. And the thing that is the most frightening to me is there is a war, a war on children. Now, you can agree with me or not on some of this, but listen, abortion is a war on the unborn. They become a non-person. It is equivalent, I think, theologically to Baal or Moloch worship where sacrifice of infants was required for you to be prosperous. There's a war to divide children from their families. There's this transgender stuff that's out there trying to convince little five-year-olds that they're in the wrong body. They should be a boy if they're a girl or a girl if they're a boy. And the people that are dominating education in many parts of the country, and it's getting worse and worse every year. It really is. There's some very dangerous people out there. School districts allowing kids to choose their pronouns when they're like, you know, five, six, and seven. And not telling the parents. Surgeries, puberty blockers. There's a war on children. Then you have people in colleges and universities. And there's this guy. His name is Alan Walker. He is a professor at Old Dominion University 
in Virginia. This guy is super dangerous. I mean, it's not just his advocacy for transgenderism, but the guy is promoting pedophilia to be normal. Listen to him in his own words. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, First of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do my best to expose these people that are in education. Now, this one, this one happens to be at the college level. And the colleges have been taken over by the leftist ages ago. They're tenured. You can't get rid of half of these professors. They're overpriced. And now they want, uh, here in the United States, they want to, you know, pay off some student debt, which is nonsense. It's vote vote buying at its worst. We need to expose these individuals. They're not just in colleges. They're in high schools. They're in middle and junior high schools. They're in elementary schools now. And yes, we're going to expose some that have made their way to kindergarten and the first and second and third grade. Many school districts, you may believe because you live in a conservative area, it's safe. But you'll be surprised. You'll be very surprised what's really going on in your school. Christians absolutely have fallen down on the job of educating children. And we're going to spend some time over the next couple of weeks talking about what is the alternative in educating our children away from this Moloch, this way from this demonic, this evil, this transgender, this everything is all right except the nuclear family. We're going to expose those that, look, look at the government in the United States. I have never seen so many people that are either gender confused, gender mentally ill, homosexual in, in, in other words to be big in the Biden administration if you're transgender hey you're 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 better than anybody else if you're gay you're better than anybody else that's what it's come down to and it's something we as the church need to address we can't just hide in our four walls we learned two years ago they can shut those four walls down and call it a virus more people have failed to go back to church still in fear of a virus with no fear of God. It's got to change, my friends. It has to change. We need to stand up against the culture or the culture will end up in the church. If you don't believe it, look at the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Just for an example, look at many of these churches, the Episcopal Church. They condone all of this. They support abortion, transgenderism, gender assigning affirming surgeries for young children. It is absolutely evil and it was predicted in the scripture. You can't be silent any longer. Your silence is affirmation. Let me say that again. Your silence on these issues is affirmation. And just because you're in a school district in South Carolina or something, don't think that it's not coming to where you are. If you believe in our ministry, would you consider supporting us financially? We really need your help. 
make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, mailing address Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, secure box number 3248 in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code is 32536, that zip code 32536. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.